Hey guys, welcome back to the Let's Talk Digital Show by Crazen Media, hosted by Officer Gorang. And today with us we have Vivala Coin, and I hope that pronunciation is correct. Uh, it's an honor having you here and sharing a voice with you. And I'm looking forward to our this coming discussion and our future discussions. So, with with no, not much further ado, let's talk about. Your first impressions of Nemo back when you got introduced to him. Yeah. So, one, thank you for having me on. Uh, for anyone that's listening to this, I'm sure I'll be sharing it throughout the Pneumonium community as well. Uh, I appreciate what you do for the space and just putting education at the forefront of your videos and podcasts. I know we discussed a little before you started filming how important that is, um, but hopefully throughout this video too, we can provide any type of insight or um, just knowledge that helps people feel comfortable in their decisions, be able to frame things in the right light um, with that additional information. Um, as far as Nemo goes, so I followed him in, in the Twitter space for a while um, prior to actually interacting with him directly. Um, but my first impression of him was always kind of the same way I view some of the other I, I hate using the term influencer, but someone with a voice in the space that has impact on other people. Now, you have two different frames of mindset that I see develop as someone starts to gain a, a lot of followers. You have people that view that as um, a, a metric or, okay, I have followers, here is my uh, clout machine that I can feed into and talk about projects and hype stuff up. And then you have other people that view them as friendships and people and individuals that you can talk to and people that you will be transparent with regardless of whether or not every one of the thousands of people that follow you agree with your opinion or not. And he was always someone that spoke his mind regardless with how it was going to make anyone else feel. And that doesn't mean that he was outright abrasive. It doesn't mean that he was going after any project. He just always spoke his mind. And that is both in a supportive and positive way, which is why so many people trust in Nemo and what he's building now in Pneumonium. But it's also a very real and reassuring thing to see as people grow. If you can continue to tether yourself to who you are, what led you to the space, what you believe in, then not, no amount of success is ever going to cloud your judgment in order to cut corners or undercut people to get there. So he always seemed like a very genuine upfront person, and I met him through another a friend of mine in the Twitter space. And as we started talking, I, I knew that they were working on putting together this team uh, for pneumonium, but I was really unaware of what it was for. So the original skulls dropped um, right prior to that. And uh, initially I was gonna scoop one up off a of secondary, but they started running up in price, but I followed them every single day. And I thought the art was cool, even though he just updated it into the 3D one. Um, but the first questions that he asked me, they, they weren't like, so what's your experience as a, a moderator? Or do you have a YouTube channel? I need a, a words guy to talk about stuff. He asked, so what's your story? What, what brought you to this space? Why are you here? And it, it wasn't business. It was personal to try and figure out what I believed in how I view the other individuals in the crypto space, what I think about decentralized technology and its potential, what I'm passionate about. 
Um, the bedrock of our entire team is based on people that trust and believe in Nemo, but I think inherently he trusts and believes in everyone in the team because it, it's a two-way street. They, they supported him when he first dropped those original skulls and everything was built on top of that. So after getting to know each other, we're much more similar uh, in, in real life than I ever thought. Uh, and it's funny because the more you meet uh, individuals, even people that have big channels or projects, a lot of people are very similar in what led us here because you'll hear everyone scream, we're so early, we're so early. Well, the people that are here, um, especially in CNFT, because prior to smart contracts, prior to the million dollars a day uh, market that we have, those were people that were just passionate about Cardano to begin with. And with Cardano and the values in science-based practical solutions they have and the people that they want to help, a lot of people gravitated towards that because of the idea that this is what cryptocurrency is supposed to do, as opposed to um, a, a lot of other things that might not have the best interest of the whole, and instead only the interest of a few. And I think over time, as the pneumonium ecosystem grows, and we have these different phases coming out, and there's actually a pretty cool article that someone's doing that will come out, I believe, either today or early next week. But we're kind of viewing it the same way of do the things for the right reasons, the right way first. Don't just run out and say, yep, here's our guaranteed plan. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go buy everything because it takes time. Um, you've seen a couple different DAOs pop up and actually one just disappear with all the Arden fishbowl gang uh, yesterday. That is a product of a few people serving themselves from the men. And we've seen enough times in traditional finance and traditional business and traditional government. That is how our current system works. You cannot build anything that way, but you also have this period of time that it still has to be built. And the only thing that's ever going to fill that gap of time is transparent, honest trust in each other and setting the proper expectations of what we're trying to do. And I think that uh, whether it was me meeting him at first, watching him from afar, working on this, or uh, seeing the community that's coming together to build different things, I think that he's he's done everything the best way possible to allow us to have that uh, potential moving forward. Right. So since we are talking about the financial pulls that are happening in the, in the system right now, and their potential... Uh, there's every day there's a potential of having a rug pull because of the increment of projects which are getting into this ecosystem. Looking looking that Cardano is increasing, there there's just a lot of eyes on Cardano, and people are actually keeping up from Ethereum, from Solana, from uh, other investors. Uh, in terms of brands, there are brands who are actually looking into entering Cardano instead of Ethereum. So just because there are a lot of eyes and the concept of DAOs, which is pretty much the frenzy right now. And I know in Memonium, the honestly, the best part of Memonium is the transparency. Apart from the team, apart from Nemo, apart from everything else, if we keep everything aside, it's still transparent to its core. And all of the people who actually follow Memonium or are part of Memonium feel the same way. That is the one thing they all feel consistently, that it's transparent and Hence, they can have 
they can have complete faith and trust on the project and the future potentiality of the project. Now, since uh, we have been told that Nemonium Nemo is planning to have a DAO which is com completely autonomous, completely self-driven, uh, and all the holders have the power in their hands. If we compare it to the real world, that's basically a utopian lifestyle. Correct. So, in terms of real life and potentially reaching the part where it's 100% autonomous, what, what's that track looking like? How do you compare it for someone who's, who has zero about idea about how DAOs work? Yeah, so I, I think he hit the nail on the head that the idea of a DAO currently on Cardano and how people view it is unobtainable at the moment. However, certain aspects of it can be put in place. I know that everyone's working on the multi-sig uh, wallets, and I know that um, people like ADAO and those guys, they're working on being able to help make it autonomous for people to enter and exit. Um, the current concept of a DAO in and of itself, for the most part that I see outside of Nemonium, um, it is buying blue chip art and holding it to then fractionalize it, hopefully in the future, and then distribute different rewards to those individuals. Uh, that's a lot of what I've seen. And whether it's under the guise of a, a DAO currently, like, oh, we're a DAO and we'll get there, or if it's, I, I think, one that I, I like their framing of it is the secret goat society. I'm a, I've always been a big goat tribe fan to begin with, but they view it more of like an investment uh, group at the moment, uh, it, at least from everything that I've read. And they put a lot of due diligence into their proposals and, and things of that nature. <clears throat> what we're trying to do is say, okay, for the idea of a DAO, it isn't meant to simply be three people putting everything together and everyone else just sitting there hands out like, okay, where's our value? What do we get? When, when can we fractionalize it so we can exit? Um, and even if that were the case, we, we could have bought, you know, a berry as well. We could have bought a bunch of space buds and they would still have roughly around the same value as when a lot of those DAOs were first launching. They, it's up a little bit, but if you take those profits and divide it by thousands of individuals, you're still not getting more back than if you were using that Cardano to go and invest it in different um, side chains uh, of uh, Cardano, different crypto projects, different mints uh, of projects that you believe in or you're doing your research. So the way we view it is build a community that inherently can create value itself. And we can do that in a couple ways, some of which we've already talked about, but I'm going to highlight for anyone that's watching this. Um, one, supporting the artists themselves to be able to come in and create phenomenal art. A lot of big blue chip projects, they're already priced out for most people to purchase on their own. If you're, you're just coming in, like a lot of people don't have $5,000 laying on the side to change it to Cardano, learn how to come into CNFT and buy a single claymate because they started taking off. Uh, a lot of people are priced out of that. Uh, a lot of artists, when it comes to finding exposure, it's difficult now that everyone's coming up. You were talking about different chains, not only blowing up in, in their volume and oversaturating their markets in Ethereum and Solana, but then people coming over to Cardano. I, I remember when some of the old 
uh, systems were just being put in place like to track different projects like token ref. Uh, I, there was only like seven projects listed on there and you could go on CNFT tools or open CNFT and there's hundreds uh, upon hundreds of projects. There's new mints and whitelists and discords. To have the ability to produce good art, it's more or less a marketing thing than it is just creating the art to be able to find that audience. So within Demonium, you have right now 1,700 people that trust each other, that have an open dialogue, and can support artists that we want to support, possibly either using the treasury funds down the road, if we can vote on different proposals. Uh, I know Nemo went and brought in a bunch of individuals and paid them up front to make sure that they were taken care of, and there was never going to be a point where okay, there, there was a delay or A, B, and C happened. Thanks for all your work and see ya. Um, make sure that the artists are taken care of. But when you have someone, let's say, like Fauna, that is doing this phase two drop, that has done all of the 3D pixel work that a lot of people know in the space and had a ton of success, when he's a part of the group and creating art internally that's accessible to the people in the money, then now there's value internally. We didn't have to take all the money that people may have bought their phase one DAO pieces with and go and buy a bunch of his collection in the hopes that it does well. We just support him internally in the group, make it available to different members of the group in this instance. And then hopefully through that, everyone can have a better shot of succeeding and providing value. Same thing with, if you look at the original um, 75 skulls that Nemo created, and uh, sent out to those individuals, the cost um, that he listed on Twitter was 10 Cardano. So for 10 Cardano, uh, those people that trusted in him got those skulls, and, and a couple people sold them really quick. A couple people held on to them, but there was never an expectation that anything else was going to come from that other than Nemo's going to create something, and he'll say uh, every single day, he's not an artist, but he wanted to know what it would feel like to create something and to either feel the support or lack thereof, depending on how it was going to go, uh, and he wanted to give something back. And then by extension, those OG skulls, I, I believe there's only one listen on JPEG at the moment, and it's a 3,000 Cardano, and those same individuals got an airdrop of 13,000 skull token, which is in the, in the future, as we get this all together, will be our internal ecosystem um, token as well. So those individuals for that 10 Cardano now have 300 times more value within that NFT if they were to sell it today, if the market's there, but most of them aren't listed and most of them aren't selling them. I can say that almost every other NFT I've ever been in, if something goes up by hundreds of times, people are going to just exit. They're like, yep, I'm good. That, that was enough. But the people there aren't just there for monetary gains. It's to build a community. People come together there. It's essentially open sourcing thought as opposed to open sourcing technology. And we can all work together and say, where else can we find value internally? Well, Die Cases that was running a stake pool uh, partnered with us in, in Skull Stake Pool. Not only did we have 2 million Cardano up to this point already delegated, but then we're able to produce blocks, which then have Cardano rewards, not only for the delegators, but for the block producer. And some of that goes back into the treasury or can help fund different proposals and things for the future that we can build 
either internally or partner with externally that still we're not just going out and buying things and sitting on them. We're generating value as a community. Now, it's a domino effect because once you have that stake pull up and running, then we partnered with Drip Drops and we can distribute our Skull Token that way and reward people additionally for delegating their Cardano with that ecosystem token. Now, ultimately, it falls back onto us to build this the right way and to make sure that what we're doing works over time. So it's not like you can do it under the premise of, oh, the utility token is going to go to the moon and all of the NFTs and all, all the different things are going to be just invaluable. Um, but ultimately, it is a way to build that community and reward them for believing in what we're trying to build. And when you have thousands of people working together that have all the ins and outs of art, all the ins and outs of business, finance, technology, there's always someone somewhere that can do something. And that includes everything from merchandise to uh, media to art. Um, we even had some people come over from Ethereum that are working with Nemo right now for some stuff in the future uh, as well, trying to crack open additional value to maybe some artists that if they came over and just tried to make something uh, in Cardano, it wouldn't have landed. Or maybe they like the idea of having a community that's there that supports them vicariously through Pneumonium already. Um, I know one external artist that came over from Ethereum was Benjamin Club, uh, and they did phenomenally, but I saw a fair amount of dialogue where people were upset because they were like, oh, they came over from Ethereum and now they're taking all of our stuff. And it's like, they're not, they're just producing good content and good art and people want to support it. So in this case, we're just, instead of going and collecting it all, once they drop it and it's far more valuable, support and incubate not only artists that already have a proven track record of doing that, but the most important part is finding newer undiscovered artists that produce amazing artwork and then you can help give them the platform or the means to produce it and get it out there. Um, there are so many talented people I've seen in some of the behind the scenes stuff for uh, what's the comfort ammonium of individuals that at first I didn't even know. I didn't even know what they made or how talented they were. And I, I know that people are going to say, oh, well, you're biased, but I, I believe that it's some of the best art that I've seen uh, in CNFT in general. Um, it, it's really incredible stuff. So in the idea of creating value internally in a community, a lot of people see someone like Fishbowl gang rug pull and just disappear. Well, they sold their pieces. They bought blue chip art and they were like, yep, we're just going to hold this and distribute. That isn't a viable way to do it because eventually you're going to hit a wall where either everyone around you figures something out, sees a new project, is moving quicker than whatever you're trying to build or invest in, that they're going to either try and leave or it stalls out. And at that point, I mean, if you're not transparent about stuff and people don't know who you are, all they gotta do is pull the cord out of the wall and sell whatever and leave. And then it just burns the people that trusted in them to do anything in the first place. Um, a lot of these different DAO-based communities, even prior to a DAO functionality to make it autonomous it is a slow process to be able 
to build value it just by buying large projects. It takes a ton of Cardano just to go into something like Space Buds to 2x it. Now, there's a lot of money floating around in crypto in general, but a combination of the market kind of teetering and making people nervous over the course of the start of 2022, a lot of people not, not being sure about tax season coming up and different issues that each uh, person has individually, it stalled out a little bit and everyone's like, well, where, where are my gains? Most other funds in traditional finance, if, if you get like a, a small percent gain year over year, you're killing it. You're, you're, you're doing great and everything's fine. It's just people are so desensitized to profit in Cardano, CNFT, crypto in general, that you could do well and make money in this space, log into Twitter and scroll for half a minute. And you're going to see five people post their 500x, you know, moonshots and different yeah. gains and all the things that they did. And people are, it's just market psychology. They're not going to have the patience to be able to do that. So instead, focus on giving them something to build and something to work on or a platform to pitch their ideas outside of that. A DAO is an autonomous organization is essentially a ton of different individuals working together in a business that can create infinite amount of businesses that can all benefit each other within that single ecosystem while collectively through governance voting on whether or not people think that that is a good idea, think tanking it, putting together proposals. The amount of opportunity that can come along with that is incredible. It is just a matter of having the patience having the trust, not misrepresenting it, and then choosing to allow people to find value in themselves and the people around them as opposed to purchase it at a premium from elsewhere. Right. So uh, there's a follow-up question on it. Just, just something which came to my mind right now is that once it's autonomous and people are voting for something on a particular agenda, does the same concept of having the number of token is equal to the amount of votes you get still relevant? Because because then that's the same societal norms which are carrying forward to basically decentralized community, which is the more power, the more assets you have, the more money you have is the equal to more power you contain with yourself. Does that logic still like carry forward? Is it still yeah. relevant? Yeah. So. What you're going to see is the official breakdowns and how they're used in the autonomous sense will not fully go into effect until the other phases are done and we distribute all the different voting pieces that would be within that ecosystem. So I'll answer it in two ways. One, yes, having, let's say, an OG skull may have additional voting power within that at the end of it as we structure it out, but in this case, there's additional utility within that specific piece or that specific phase being the first to where everyone that had one of those OG skulls was automatically whitelisted for Fauna's drop that's coming up here shortly. So it may provide different opportunities in that way, but if right now you locked every single policy and you said, here's what the breakdown is going to be because here's how we want it to work, you might come across an issue where we had a certain amount of launchpad tokens. And at first, there were 13,000 in total, 
and we were going to start to distribute them to where we felt like there was enough to where there's value in having the token in a boat, but it's not diluted to the point where there's just a ton sitting in the marketplace and no one really cares about it or you could throw it away and pick it up in, a, in an instant. You're not going to get genuine involvement within the community if it's not something that you're like, okay, I have this. This means something. Um, so at that point, we capped off that policy and closed it out at 3000 and the rest of them were just burned at that point. Now, could we have sold them before the end of the phases, before everything went into place? Yeah, I, I believe that we could have because we were selling them for, um, uh, I believe the original price was 13 Cardano. So they're, they're cheap. People like Pneumonium and a lot of individuals, after we cut that sale off the first time due to congestion, uh, were saying like, oh, we won't. Well, just being able to sell them for the sake of selling them and diluting what might be the original, let's say, 1,700, 2,000 members within that group that are involved, is that going to benefit any proposals or voting mechanisms if you have then eight times more people coming in that – haven't had these discussions, haven't built the proposal mechanisms, haven't worked with our stakeholders, don't delegate anything, and have been in a bunch of other DAOs, and they're like, okay, let's go buy uh, a berry. Like, maybe not. So in order to do that, you'll see some projects, they'll, they'll go to, hey, we're going to mint 10,000 generic PFP things, and they'll only sell – it was actually a Thulu. Club. I think it was their Thulu Dow, whatever th they were, and they were fighting with people on Twitter, and they weren't selling as many as they were supposed to, and they were like, oh, you, you know what, we're just going to burn the rest of them. Not being able to sell it and burning it and breaking your expectations, it, from that side, it affects how all the voting works and everything else, but there, there was no interest to anyone else to then get into that community. So when it comes to the vote, it's not going to be a genuine aspect of here are people deciding – okay, here's where the value is. It would just be whoever was there, and then they're upset because no one else wanted to come in. You burned everything else, and I'm going to wait until I have my exit liquidity, and then I'm, I'm going to go. So we want to, instead of just work on giving people the ability and autonomy to exit, we want to give them also an incentive to stay. Um, and it's a difficult thing to do, and if you rush it or lay all those parameters out and something either goes wrong or if you come up with a better idea as we're structuring it and we can't pivot, that's a disservice to everyone else that has been involved up to this point. Um, so everything that he's done has been very fluid in a way to where he's been able to pivot and change a couple things, like even updating the uh, oh, the look of the OG skulls. Even in my wallet, it now appears that it's a 3D one that can turn. When everything goes into effect and all those phases are out and those policies are locked, then everything is broken down at that point. But up until then, any changes that we want to make, we'd, we'd essentially crater ourselves and uh, our ability to pivot. So that that I'm not sure if that answered your question as far as like voting power, because there are different benefits to having no, different did. phases of it. It's just not everything has been put in place yet for – Right. For so that, it's, and, and I it's think still working, but you know, right. uh, yeah. oh no, I, I was going to say Nemo's always been someone that 
like surprises, even though I'm someone that I'm like, the, the suspense is killing me. But I'm sure that he's going to have additional things that none of us even know about, or maybe each of us have like an individual piece. But when it all comes together, those people that believed in him and kept the whitelist tokens, those people that are staking and getting skull delegated to them, I believe that in his uh, workings behind the scenes, he's putting in place ways to reward those people that believed in him, just like the original uh, skull. Uh, holders and those 75 individuals. So um, it, it'll be fun to watch it play out, but also it's not going to be ever misrepresented as here's exactly what it is and here's how much you're going to get. Um, we're all working together to make it work. Right. So now talking about your personal opinion about the team. So I would rather not call it a team. I would rather feel it's a creative collaboration which is going on. How so? How does that collaboration effort go on? How how is it being built? Are people approaching Nemonium or Nemo or you personally, or are you actively searching for new artists for uh, artists who are under the radar with good art and just bringing them on the platform? How how is that process going looking like? I like that question. And also, if, if I freeze it all, um, I see you're frozen, but it'll probably kick back in um, right. like it did before for us. So can you still hear yeah, me? It's okay. Ah, there we go. Um, so it's a, a little bit of both. You would imagine any time, let's say we're sitting here having a conversation. That conversation doesn't happen unless I say things and then you say things back. Right. So in a larger concept, there may be people that were like, wow, that's incredible. We want to reach out to them to see if they would be interested in working with us. Then we'll have some people say, I love what you're doing. I think that I can help in either developing something or I have an idea that I want to put together for a specific channel or, or uh, something to build within the monium. It's a revolving door in the sense of like anyone can come and request anything of us whether or not we'll be like, yeah, that makes sense. Come on in. Like that, that's a good idea um, is dependent on the idea and how it's presented, but there's not a point where anyone reaches out to me or reaches out to Nemo where it's just like an instant ignore. Um, I think that with Nemo, when he was approaching different artists and individuals, he reached out to people that he respected and saw them doing things and working hard and whatever realm of their talent it was, whether it was people that were working to develop different things, people that worked on the vending for mints, people that were creating art, but maybe not getting a lot of exposure. Um, he is always watching everything in the space. And that includes in Discord. If I asked him right now, hey, who are the most active people just in the Discord today? Even though he's not in there, he'll rattle off like, here's what I see from people. Um, so he always is keeping an eye out for who is putting genuine effort into Cardano, into CNFT, into themselves, into others. And those are the people that we want to work with, not just talented people, but good people that we can support and feel good about supporting for the premise of building a, a solid community as opposed to just profiting. So I would say it's a little bit of both. Um, and 
uh, I'm sure that right now, because he doesn't sleep, um, he's probably in someone's DMs or they're in his and they're discussing 10 different things. Um, but that's what makes this work to an extent is everyone it's like a prime example of if it was, let's say, a business or if it was a um, even an autonomous organization and we're voting on different things. Prior to that, he's done a phenomenal job of being able to delegate different things to people and to push them a little bit by saying, I've seen you do this. I know you're good. Here's maybe this big opportunity or request that I have if you'd like it. Like, help establish merchandise and set up that company, create a logo, and that will play into everything as it comes together. Hey, do you want to collaborate and let's set up a stake pool and I'll reach out to Drip Drops and see if they want to partner with us to provide further value? You know, do you want to create a channel? We're actually working on one. We reached out to someone else in the community to create a, a additional tab in Discord where what we're going to do is this individual not only we're going to make them a mod for pneumonium but they're also going to have a specific function where they already mod for a couple different channels and they're very in tune with what's going on in the cnft space different new mints that are coming out different artists that are coming in anything that might happen with rug pulls or or value or even cardano updates and news so we tasked this individual with going and collecting uh, information on what's coming up next week. And in this channel, it's not going to be like an open channel for everyone to shill stuff. And it's not going to be, uh, hey, everyone talk about what project you're excited for. It's going to be a closed channel, just like uh, Femonium is for the women and LGBTQ community to go in and have a conversation in that space where it's not to make it exclusive. It's to allow them to talk about their experiences without hearing from someone that isn't living that experience, that what they're saying is not applicable. Um, in this one, it'll be a closed um, channel on Discord, and it'll be for the artists. Now, these artists or anyone that's building stuff in the space, you cannot build your project, create art, and know where the, what mints are coming up, what opportunities are on the horizon, and we've seen enough times, including with uh, Fart as well, as she's working on things, that she's like, I completely, she was so upset. She missed uh, Pendulum that just came out. She was like, oh, I love the art. Um, artists provide the most value to us as a community and what they create, but they also give up and sacrifice a lot of opportunity on a daily or weekly basis because they're head down working on their, their items. So even in a way, if we can have conversations and have this person that just came in an ammonium, super active, super uh, excited about the project over the last couple of months, give them the task to then create that newsletter, that breakdown of, you know, not, hey, go mint this, go buy that. But here's just the information about what's coming up. It's going to help the artists. It's going to give them more exposure to projects themselves and keep them on their toes since they're doing it anyway. Um, Items like that that you can just reach out to someone and say, hey, we have this idea. You know, we're not going to make you do it. We're not going to hold your hand over the fire. But we see how you interact in the space. We see how you interact on, you know, Twitter with the community. 
we think that you're right for this role and you can bring a lot of value to other people. Would you like to do that? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. But that's another individual that as we start to make these proposals and build on things and try and create and build stuff as a community, that is an involved individual that is going to engage in those votes purposefully instead of looking simply for a way to exit if we do our things right. So um, it's always important to have that open line of communication and to take not advantage of the community around us, but to understand that everyone within a DAO-based organization, or I guess the, a potential DAO-based organization, has the potential to add value to that community. Right. Yeah, so uh, now since you mentioned Fremonium, how quick was that get set from discussing that you we need something uh, a safe space not not necessarily a safe space but an open space where people can talk about whatever they feel like and no one will be judged and it's completely it will be completely neutral and people can just speak their heart out how quick was that set up from the initial discussion to actually having that closed channel and then actually part modding that uh, particular channel. How did that happen? Same day. So it was, um, Fart, Fart was on Twitter and she, she, although she was listening to me month in and month out scream about CNFTs and get all excited about it and she was in the market, she just didn't have a, a social media presence for that. Um, so when she came into the space, not only having a background in art, but having a different lived experience, she's looking at a, a lot of the bigger projects that were out. And the one that caught her eye, she saw I kept coming up with DGen Crypto Club. Now, I know in my experience when I was there, like early on, especially last summer, um, it, there were a lot of dudes in this space. And I, I know those people in there. And they, it was just a club for us all to get together and talk about, you know, whatever just a bunch of dudes being dudes being degenerates but she was like well i want to be a degenerate uh what, what can i like are there any female ones and i was like yeah they're, they're doing a valentine's day drop but you gotta have one she's like oh so like now i gotta go and buy one at four times more just to get a a female degen like i i feel like i missed out and i get that there are plenty of people that will say well you're you're too late you know you should have been here Almost no one was here. Like we were such a small sliver of the NFT community at that point, which is a small sliver of the crypto community, which is a small sliver of society. Like telling someone like, oh, you should have been here. That, that's not a good enough answer. Um, so what can we do moving forward to try and have that conversation of allowing people when they come in to feel included in those things? And I'll tell you, although I agree with, what she says, I'm not the champion for that because I, I haven't lived it. I can't speak to it to that extent to where I can help people. And I don't want to, you know, make the conversation worse by misunderstanding things. Uh, so when she was going back and forth and the, I mean, there were some people that were like, Oh, well, why don't you go somewhere else and go make a, a your own project and get off. Right. The I, know that. Like, I don't have particular comment. 
which is wild because it exposed to me something that I hadn't seen up to that point. Like I was in the community every day and I, I saw none of that negativity because no one had the reason to give it to me because I didn't have to question anything. I didn't mention those things because I was okay with it. I was like, Oh, this one looks like me. This, this is awesome. Um, but when she mentioned it, there, there was a lot of hate that came out that I have not seen in the space. So at that point, Nemo actually messaged me. He's like, hey, I see what Ford's doing and talking about this. That's important, and I support her, and uh, I'm proud of her. And that conversation went immediately into her talking with Nemo and setting up Pomonium. But it wasn't like something that we had to sit down and think about, like, oh, is this the right thing to do? I think it was almost an instant agreement that this is a necessary thing for the space. It's a conversation that has to be had. And she's been wanting that ever since. And I think that that community in and of itself uh, is going to be very good for individuals, not only that are in there that can express their concerns or talk about it, but also to bring conversations externally and say, look, like we need to be a little bit, not more sensitive, but just be aware of how we treat things or what we do. And of course, you're going to have people on either end that will still be upset because I am friends with a lot of the people from DJ and Crypto Club. I am friends with a lot of the people that maybe not the ones that are saying the terrible things, but if you are in a project and your profile picture is the same as like the last five people that were just telling someone to F off and shut up. Yeah, you start to associate that toxicity with the project. So I was in this middle zone of, I know, I know a lot of these people, some of them are super, like some of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, But how do you cross that bridge to saying like, oh, you know, this isn't right and you have to change it? Because if you just jump into the Discord and mention it, um, which was the whole debacle that came up with FUD buddies and <clears throat> that whole uh, issue there, sometimes that echo chamber is a little too loud. And there are people who work super hard over the past year and a half to put everything together that will defend that and not understand, okay, it's not coming to you directly. This is talking about the representation of people in your group. Then how does that reflect the collective? Um, And you try and have these conversations, 180 characters or however many characters, 140 characters at a time across public forums and in Discord, it, it tends to spiral very quickly. It's not like I, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that most people, if you sit down and stare at them face to face and talk for a while, there, there can be understanding or compromise or sensitivity to e- each other's experiences. Um, but when you have that sort of format, it's incredibly toxic. Just this broken up conversation in Infomonium or in these different pages that we're trying to set up. But then most importantly, they have a space where if someone shares a full paragraph of something and they're like, here's how I feel or here's what I just saw, 
there isn't the ability for five people with, you know, five followers and they all made their profiles in March of 2022 to tell them to shut the hell up it, under it. There's just other people that are going to listen and have more of a gateway of understanding there to talk to them uh, than if you're in a broader platform or forum. So um, it, it was almost instant that that was put in place. And I, I wish that more people had either the courage or the understanding to say, this is something that needs to be done. So I, I give Bart so much credit for doing that and kind of ste stepping into the fire for a bit there. Cause she was like, everyone's just going to hate me. And it kind of went the other way where a lot of people admired her for speaking up for people and looking out for everyone in general. And I give credit to Nemo for saying, yeah, let's absolutely let's do it. Because he, he easily could have said too, like we have a project and right. we <laughs> don't want to create any type of contentious environment and let's head down. Let's just keep working. But he was like, no, it's important. And I support it. So I, I give massive props to both of them. Right. Cause I, I feel, I feel just because someone has a project and they support the right thing, it's way better that you lose few people, if at all, because then, you know, that's, that's like the gem you have in your community. And that's, that's always the best way forward. It does not matter if you lose 300, 400, 500,000 people. If the rest are still there with you, they're sticking with you till the end of the time. So that's the best way to move forward. And I, yeah. I, I remember, you, you, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, continue. Oh, no, I was going to say you hit the nail on the head because we were talking about that when we had our big gap from January until March with our, or the start of March with our phase uh, one mint. And some people were getting impatient or saying like, what's going on? Just selling their whitelist tokens or doing whatever. We're like, we want to make sure that we do this right. We're working with the artists. Like, thank you for your patience. And we'll, and Nemo's like, hey, if, if they want to leave, like, that is completely okay uh, at this stage. But the people that stay, those are the people that you want. I just wanted to touch on that because it, it reminded me of exactly what he said. But what were you going to say? Yeah, so no, that, that was, I was putting forward. I I just got reminded by a conversation that I remember Fat coming onto Twitter and I remember remember her initial tweets, and I particularly remember. So my first impression of Fat was actually the tweet she put forward, which was a pronunciation. Yeah, and that was a yeah. funny tweet in an end. So that that was the first time I actually had interacted with her tweets. I have, so uh, I genuinely uh, spend what, two to three hours per day on Twitter. That's that's the whole day I put into it, the whole time. And I rather oversee everything rather than interacting with people. Because I feel if I start interacting yeah. with someone, I'll have to actually keep on maintaining that interaction because I would not want to leave them in in middle of a conversation. That just feels bad for me. So I'd rather not start a conversation and I just oversee things and I don't enter into any chat. The same goes for Discord servers. I might be in hundreds of Discord servers, but I don't interact. I don't write a message because then I feel that I have a responsibility to continue 
building that relationship which i know i cannot maintain in a long run so i keep my interaction to the minimum level hence uh, i hence i feel that's one of the cons why i cannot ever grow my twitter channel <laughs> but but i uh, all all the followers i have i know they interact with me with all of their hearts so i'm completely good with it so i remember part uh, posting out these tweets i remember started interacting with that particular tweet and then just parts twitter just blew up post that tweet i remember i remember coming back online two to three days later and i was like shit <laughs> i had to like go on and i had to go on open parts twitter and i had to actually see uh, what happened <laughs> and that that two days were the period where uh, the whole i i don't know if i want to say call it drama because how that's how people actually feel it is regardless of oh, the yeah. on content people call it drama be it be it for someone thing good something bad it's in the general sense we call it drama and i feel that's a very negative word to put forward but that is how people understand it yeah. best yeah i i think that one drama in and of itself it all depends on how you take things so as an individual to touch on what you first said i take an immense amount of responsibility to respond to people to interact with them and recently i i had a couple things happen in my life that over the last 10 days have really kind of shook my life up and i had to handle some family stuff and some work stuff and uh i feel bad when i don't get back to people immediately and then the more that scales you it's an impossibility and that's coming from someone that i i spend the majority of my day in that space and majority of my day working on things in the crypto or nft community and then still trying to intermittently work and do stuff throughout the day from home or another pulling us back into the office trying to juggle it 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 quickly burns you out uh if you don't take a second to say okay like I'll get to everyone but it's starting to outpace me um I I struggle with the same thing and if I had a solution I would tell it to you but I don't and I'm sure that as it scales if it was ever to the point where pneumonium or or any of us needed like a like a social media manager I wouldn't do it like I I don't want anyone else responding to stuff speaking for me I I like the interaction and I love this space and I could talk about it all day but then again I'll die on this hill of decentralization is being in like as someone else will lose that genuine responses of genuine stuff because that comes out directly from yeah. the heart. That's that's what a lot of people that have much larger channels do just because they can't keep up with it but like anything it's like a a circus where you got to keep performing or else then you lose that algorithm and that interaction and everything else but then that's where you see like all the big uh crypto twitter people whether it's just in general or on cardano the same tweets every day of like oh like did you buy cardano today like okay we get it like do you have any original insightful things to say or are you just going to scream the same 20 generic things over and over again and that's where they sold out of the conversation and instead they're just business individuals and they uh make things for doing whatever and then the second part is 
as far as drama goes, when you're having all these different interactions, people interact very differently on the internet. Um, Everyone can say whatever they want. If someone is jaded or upset or afraid, they can be very toxic and mean and angry. If someone is excited and passionate, you would think that they hit the lottery typing in all caps and 15 rocket emojis and everything else. Realistically, those interactions and communications are unsustainable to begin with. If we spoke to each other with the amount of passion, good or bad, in a format like this, if it was that same energy that was just shoved into that tweet between you and I for these two hours, I'm pretty sure my beard would burn off. We, we would just, it would be, it would be so high energy of just like one thing after the next, after the next. Just big nonstop rants going on. Yeah, it's exhausting because people curtail these tweets and they sit there and they look at them and they reread them and and they can say, okay, this is picture perfect and it's exactly what I want sent. But then you get someone on the phone or you meet someone in person and they can't speak to it or they have like one or two things to say and can't carry a conversation. Or maybe they just view things a, a lot uh, differently than what they present themselves, but they're doing it for the interaction or they're farming engagement for maybe their own self-interest or their own mint coming up or their own company or their own potential. It's very hard to dissect who is here for what reasons uh, in just a snapshot. Now, over time, you can start to get that idea of like, okay, this person, I've seen them around for a year or two. They're here for the right reasons. I've talked to them. I I see where they invest their time. I see what they do for the community. They're here for the right reasons. That's someone that when I see their interactions, I know is genuine. But for a lot of people, it's very, very hard to discern that. So when it comes to people defending things that they believe in or defending projects that they've either created or believe in or even defending that the other side of whatever argument is wrong – whether they have the contextual ability to understand what they're even arguing against, that passion then gets condensed into those same just bombs of just high energy, very intense tweet after tweet after tweet. There's no conversation. There's no brake pads to slow it down. And you can say whatever you want over the internet because someone else isn't in the room. Like you don't have to worry about the consequences if your words there, you can put, you know, the, the full action and meaning of your words behind them. And I feel like it goes from zero to 100 miles an hour very quickly. And then it's super hard to calm that down after the fact. And I don't mean like, you know, you have to go all Will Smith and run up and slap them on stage because they say something like that. Like, it doesn't have to be to that point. But people aren't like that in real life. Like, they're you could probably think maybe of a handful of people you've known in your life that would just get in your face and say, you are a terrible human being and I hate everything you're doing and here's why you're wrong and not give you a chance to respond and just scream it. People don't interact like that in in real life. So, you know, so when people talk about drama in, in CNFT, it's, it's not a real conversation. 
It is just a series of emotionally charged bullet points, whether they are factual, false, idealistic, ignorant. There's still a series of thoughts that are just thrown out there in this high mind of conversation and always at the end of it, it just seems to leave a smoldering pile of jaded, angry people on both sides because you feel like you can't break through that back end of the conversation, but it's because it is dissipated into 15 other conversations of all those people have half the information, but they love whatever side what that they're defending and that don't even know, they don't, they don't even know like why the conversation started, but now they're in it. And then that's fighting. And then the original people that started the discussion are exhausted because they're fighting with 20 different people. So every time they interact, they're just swinging with the full weight of their words. Um, I think that a lot of people through that, though, on both sides came out of it closer together. Like there were people on every single side that apologized to each other, learned something, took away from it. Whether it was as simple as, hey, like, next time, just shoot me a message, and then we could just discuss it at that point without me blocking, you know, so-and-so or without us fighting about it in the Discord and echo chamber. You know, I know that we represent different projects, and we apologize. You know, it, there's a certain way to treat people, and we'll, we'll do better. There was only, I think, two people that I can list off the top of my head that never came back and you know, reconciled things. And that's okay too. If they want to be that person, that's fine. Um, but a lot of people took better versions of themselves away from that, I think. And the conversations have to happen. The only thing that I would recommend for anyone watching this, if you find yourself not even at the forefront of that, because that, I mean, that was pretty much the news of the day for all of CNFT. Um, hopefully no one finds themselves in that type of drama or conversation but if you find yourself even coming across a post and it's about a project that you like uh or if it's about a project that you hate or if someone's defending or arguing against something don't respond with hey how about you you know shut the hell up and i you have no idea what you're talking about hashtag not going to make it like have a conversation have a conversation understand where other people are coming from so oftentimes the collective decision-making that makes the most sense is often directly in the middle. We just can't get there. Right. And I couldn't even frame it way better. <laughs> right. So uh, just a break. Uh, do we have time? Because I think we've only crossed that one hour. Oh, yeah. If, if you had any other questions, I'm, I'm good. Right. No, I feel that the conversation will just flow ahead if I don't have a time in my head. <laughs> no, you're good. I, I'm happy to answer anything else or if you want to pick my brain on anything. Because even if it's like I, – I saw a couple of years – like your shows go on pretty long. Um, even if you wanted to do like multiple or like touch base on them, like I, I have a lot of fun talking to you. And I think that the information you're putting out is genuine. So – I'd even be happy to do like a, another call. And then if you string together a bunch of different questions or even broader Cardano stuff uh, or macroeconomics, it doesn't matter to me. I'll discuss any of it. Right. That would be lovely.
uh, handling a wallet. Yep. We whenever we minting, we see shelly wallets, and people have no goddamn idea what does what that even means. It's just like someone yep. re- recommended it Nami or CC or Yuri or Daedalus, and they just downloaded it without even understanding what's what's the uh, workings behind it, or like. Sorry, or is it like should I uh, use Sunday Swap or Muslim Swap? What what was the difference? How does it look like? So these are stuff which people actually have confusion getting into. No matter how much paper they read, no matter how many videos they see, they actually don't get that basic essence, the basic difference between all these things. I was actually planning that if if that's something that interests you, maybe we can talk about it later offline over text. Yeah. I, I'd be happy to help contribute in any way that I can. I think that a, a lot of the big stuff for me, in, not even from like a functional aspect of getting into the wallets um, or because I know that's difficult, but I think that that's difficult because people have a misunderstanding of what cryptocurrency is, how blockchain works. Um, to be able to first grasp like, okay, I have this wallet. What is in it and how does it interact with things around it? Um, it's important that you understand from a blockchain perspective, why is Cardano different than, let's say, Solana? Why is it different than Ethereum? Those transactions that they go through, how do they represent themselves within, let's say, Cardano scan? What is actually happening there when I interact with things through these wallets? When I have my wallet operational, which I think that's the easier part, is just showing here's how the wallet looks, here's how you set it up. I think that's the that's the easiest part. But then once you have it set up, you can put Cardano into a stake pool. Well, what does that mean? Most people in most YouTube videos will say, well, you send it over and the stake pool operator will produce blocks and you'll make 5% APY, you know, <laughs> passive income. Well, okay, but that's a simplification. Why does Cardano operate that way? And you tie it all back together in the sense of the decentralization of these stake pools and the community driving 100% of block production. Is the, that is the differentiator between us and a system like Ethereum or Solana in the sense of you need multiple different things to make a cryptocurrency that is accessible to everyone in the way that it needs to be. So it has to be scalable. It has to be fast. It has to be affordable. But most importantly, it has to be decentralized. And when you see something such as, let's say, the Ethereum Solana, I saw Axie Infinity had a $600 million hack. Um, When you have people coming in and hacking money out of these different chains, what we're trying to avoid is by distributing all of that, just like Bitcoin isn't hacked because it is so distributed that you need like a global EMP to disrupt the network at this point. Um, It makes it so that it protects and secures everything that you do within that chain. That took multiple years of preparation from a Cardano standpoint. And when a lot of people are looking up, should I come to Cardano? It's not whether or not we have functional wallets that can sync into JPEG. It is what makes us different because Solana's got all these NFTs over there, and they just announced earlier that uh, they're going to be allowing Solana NFTs on OpenSea, which was a a big deal, but you saw that coming, which I think 
it doesn't matter. I think it's it's just going to dilute the entire site because there's so much. There's so much at that point. Good luck picking one that is going to do anything. Um, it, the amount of, like, I don't know. But for Cardano, that's, that's already been done. The decentralized part is already in place, stake pool operators producing everything. Now, ultimately, we do have the final eras to go through to get full autonomy and governance. But it's leaps and bounds ahead of something like Solana. If that shuts down, people are like, Solana is so fast and cheap. I'm like, yeah, I mean, so is Visa. If you like Solana, use Visa or MasterCard because a couple people own that company, and they're super quick, and they do thousands of transactions per second, and it's relatively cheap. Use them because there's really no difference. The only difference is people that put a ton of money into Solana at those, you know, 50 cents on the dollar buys, they're all venture capitalists that have been taking profit on top of everyone else, touting a system that realistically minus like their proof of history, and they do a couple things differently, but it, it's not anything groundbreaking that's going to be different than uh, a decentralized L1. It, it's just a you know, money maker for the people that put it in there. And I think crossing that threshold of Cardano, like why does it get so much hate? Um, one thing I, I wanted to make like a separate video on, but I think it's true. The two cryptos I see get the absolute most hate um, from different subsections of society or government is Bitcoin and Cardano. Bitcoin for years, multiple countries tried to ban it. People are still fighting over banning it. The banks hate it. IMF hates it. The Fed hates it. SEC is afraid of it. it you, they despise it, and, and they see it as the complete downfall of their control of the global monetary system, and by extension, the people that are subjected to it. Cardano gets a ton of hate. Of all the L1s, gets absolute shit on, it, just constantly. Now, for them, it is because there is not vested interest from the people that run these media companies or that have the big investments in Ethereum 2.0 uh, to where you got to, oh, I can't pull my shit out because it's, it's staked in there. Well, now they're stuck. They're stuck and they vested interest in that. They invested interest in Solana because they bought it all super cheap. Push it, push it, push it. They didn't buy Cardano because they didn't understand it and they thought it wasn't going anywhere and it wasn't going to do anything. And now 71, 72% of the network is staked by users all over the world that validate blocks and push it forward. Do they benefit at all if we help people in Africa, even though that news became a joke because everyone's like, oh, that's oh, that's your value play? Yeah, it is. There's a billion people in that continent that have no access to the internet, no ID verification. That is a value proposition. Like a, anyone else, they're like, well, Ethereum, they, they partnered up with um, – what was it, Visa or uh, another big thing, to, to settle billion-dollar USDC payments. I'm like, I don't care. Like, you could do that now through Visa. Yeah, go and move all your money around. You already have it all. I, there is not an institutional need for this. This is a societal need for the majority of people that have been stretched so thin that they're making it paycheck to paycheck if they're lucky. That's what matters, and that's why they despise Cardano, because it is not in their vested interest to help anyone. 
a self-sustaining, well-educated, secure society is bad for business. And they understand that. So, like, the, anything that they could do to disparage Bitcoin from a financial or store wealth shot, anything that they could do to, you know, crap on Cardano as an L1 vaporware useless chain that helps no one, aside from the billions of people that need it most, that positioning and that understanding, overcoming that, explaining how it works, why it's important, and the differentiating factors between the other L1s, that's the important part. Then they set up a wallet. Right. So now all all the craze right now in Cardano is about 5th of April. Snoop Dogg, Playmates, and IOHK. Thoughts, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, is that is so, that going to be a groundbreaking Twitter space for Cardano and how big? Yeah, it's it's big. I think that there's a difference between celebrities that just make cryptos or NFT projects like, you know, we're we're on YouTube, Logan and Jake Paul. That it, it is just an. It, I would rather burn my money than invest in that. But they just take advantage of you know, people that believe in them and that don't understand this space. Snoop Dogg is incredibly intelligent in his investments. He knows how to make money. He is in a million different business propositions. He has sponsors and works with a multitude of different other uh, in real life companies. Uh, so him already being on Ethereum in Solana and having a ton of experience in NFTs, coming over to Cardano to not only participate with Clay Nation, but to meet Charles and talk to him. If we can get someone that has a voice to reach the, the mainstream public, because Charles, I, I mean, we love him because we watch him talk and it's, it's funny, but um, it, he's a mathematician that most people aren't as aware of is like, okay, so who's this guy? What what does he, you know, do? People don't really follow him in the mainstream news for the most part. They do follow Snoop Dogg and what he's into with CNFTs. So if he can impart some knowledge to him as to why Cardano is so important, it's not because Clay Nation made you a NFT. That's cool and welcome to the market and bring everyone with you. But why is Cardano important? I think that that's the true groundbreaking point to where maybe he can translate some of that information. From a CNFT standpoint, you already saw Clay Nation, they jumped to like 3,200. The Good Charlotte Club was at like 1,000. Dead Pixel popped up to 3,500 again. Um, it, it's, it's going to bring a lot of money over. And a year ago, I was saying we were early. And now everyone else is screaming, Oh, we're early. I'm like, this is, this is insane. It, it's, it's absolutely insane. Um, I think that it's going to come with a different attitude than the way it, it would impact a different blockchain. Because on Cardano, the way that the community is, is different than it is on Ethereum. It's different than it is on Solana. Like these other chains, they have good technology. Um, some of them, I talked to Nemo. He was like, yeah, I sometimes he says, I'll go to just other random chains and look at their technology. And he's like, some of the things that they do are incredible. And there are chains that people don't even know about that have functional NFT marketplaces that are sometimes even better than ours. Um, but they don't have that community 
to drive it. So it's our responsibility to make sure to steer the conversation, to keep it community driven and not turn it into a flip nightmare, you know, churn and burn that it, it is where, where there's 10,000 projects on Ethereum and the majority of them go to zero. That's a fine line to walk. The only difference is when we started, we didn't have smart contracts. You know, we didn't have marketplaces. The foundation of this entire community was based on the premise of, oh, Spacebots was created. Well, now we have to trade them person to person on Discord and use escrow services and trust each other. Everyone knows everyone uh, to an extent that is a, a larger creator of voice in this space. Everyone knows everyone. So at that point, we can work together to try and keep as much of that close-knit community mindset in place. It's different than gatekeeping. It's not, we're not saying don't come over, don't build new projects, don't create art. Like I'm investing in things that I believe in. I'm never afraid to watch someone else succeed. I'm never afraid to watch another project succeed. So I don't need to gatekeep. Um, but what we will do is point out if there someone tried to put out a chain that was like Cardano or Ada Apes, but it wasn't like the one that we know. It was like an offshoot of um, Board API Club, just like they did on Solana, and they tried to push that and get a bunch of people to buy it. And there were so many people screaming from the you know the the mountaintop saying, "Do not buy this garbage." This is either a scam or it's just disingenuous. This isn't associated. Like, we don't want that here. And they finally shut down their project because they were like, well, apparently Cardano's a gatekeeping community. And now we're like, no, like that, that isn't gatekeeping, protecting the people in our community because we've been here from the start. We all know each other and we understand what to expect from good projects, what a, a scam looks like, where value is not then it becomes all of our responsibility to carry that forward to the best of our ability um, within the community. So that's gonna be a big task to be able to do as the space continues to get larger. But I think that in how we started face-to-face, person-to-person, trust-based community, uh, I think that we're going to have the best shot at being able to mitigate any of the negatives that would come with a big influx of people. And it's funny because I view pneumonium a lot like that as well, where we're building towards what we want to do. But in the meantime, everything we do currently only works because it all started just out of trust with no expectations and leaning on each other. And then it scaled from there. So it, it's funny how that all comes full circle. It's gonna be exciting. The space I'm sure is going to be hilarious um, I, I just, I'm hoping that it comes with some sort of educational breakdown from Charles to Snoop, like, Hey, I get it. You know, board API club, NFTs, funny JPEGs. This is important. And, and he takes a little section to explain to him, but we'll see. Maybe he won't, maybe he'll do it behind closed doors because it's going to be more of a focus on clay nation. Um, but I know that once that camera's off, they're talking in depth about different things because he's a business person. He's going to be looking at every single angle, uh, even if it's not the, like it's not like he can be sponsored by Cardano. It's everyone's chain, but he certainly can be more active in it if he understands it. Great. And 
there have been hints going on long enough that Snoop and Gary V, they both are looking into CNFTs. And I think I think Gary V has put out like multiple tweets, just random with hashtag CNFT and hashtag Cardano. And yeah, so getting him in the Cardano space or however linking his projects, friends with Cardano, having a utility put out and the VCon, which is coming up this May, just having something for people to connect in that particular space would uh, be a groundbreaking level for the whole NFT community in total, not just Cardano. And with that, with that, is Mimonium also having a stall in the CNFT coin this October? Um, what, CNFT coin coming up in October? Yes, last week. Is that what you were asking? So, so we'll be, uh, Ford and I will be there. Um, so I know that we'll be talking to people about it in person. Whether or not we'll have a booth, uh, I don't know yet. Uh, I mentioned it a while ago to Nemo, and we were thinking about it. But I think from his end, he's viewing it as a, until we do what we're aiming to do, setting up a booth, like, what are we going to call it? The, the hopes and dreams booth of, hey, here's what we're working towards. Like, it's more or less we, we want to deliver on things that we have planned without creating all this hype of, yeah, we're going to have a booth and uh, we'll discuss everything that we've done because we're actively trying to do it. I, I feel like it would be like over-promising things that like, yeah, we'll be there and we'll discuss what, like what, what we've done that we're actively trying to do. I think that there are a lot of incredible projects and creators and people that um, either create art, some even uh, create physical items and things like that um, that are going to have booths there, uh, different blockchains and things that are building on Cardano are, are going to have stuff set up. Uh, unless we would have something worth talking about at that point that we can define right now and say this is exactly how it would look and what we would discuss, then – we shouldn't take that spot from someone else that might already have whatever their PFP project roadmap is. That's pretty sound, and they can go and they can speak to that. Um, you know, if if they want to do that for their project, they should. Us setting the expectation that we'll be there. Uh, I mean, we'll be there in person, but setting up the pneumonium booth, um, it, it would have to come with uh, a, a couple additional steps that we have to put in place. So. If I asked him, he'd say one day at a time, let's do phase two and the other phases and we'll see where we're at. Um, I, I do have to talk to Fort though, because I know that she's working on a couple things in the background. Not only are we putting together some merchandise stuff and her artwork is really cool, but her background is in art in general. Um, she went to school for fine art uh, and she does ceramics. And I know that she's, got a couple ideas for making mugs and things like that for individuals and uh, kind of be more of a utility-based NFT project uh, to get that to them and do some genuine good mornings using a fart mug. So uh, I know she's working on that. So even if we set up, not even like a booth, but even if we sold a couple of those there or something like that, uh, I think that'd be cool. Uh, it, it's just going to be interesting to meet everyone in person because we finally had a chance to meet a, a few friends for the first time from the CNFT space. They were 
uh, in our hometown. Um, and right. unfortunately, they just back. moved. We only found. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, they just moved uh, last week, but they were here um, this whole time. We didn't even know. So we got to hang out a couple times. So for as much fun as we had with them, I imagine that we'll just be focused on meeting everyone and uh, touching base there and just having a good time and celebrating what this summer is going to bring. Because I think that yesterday and watching the market react, um, Barring any external cataclysmic events, I think that this summer is going to be an exciting one for the entire space. Right, and I'm I'm hoping that uh, I do make it to Las Vegas this time because India to Las Vegas is the whole ordeal just to get there. Are you going? I am planning to. I'm planning to, and but it's it's still a big ordeal just to get from here, just so far away, the whole. Costing, the stuff, stuff. Oh yeah, it's a pain. I, I mean, there's um, a couple of people on our team are in Australia, so that's that's a nightmare to fly all the way around right. trying to trying to get over to us. Plus, it's it's, it's, it's what I around fifty seventy eight hour flight just from here. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's it's my own personal hell. I don't like to fly to begin with. I would rather actually run there as opposed to fly if I could um but even then I only flew one time last year because I had a friend that had a uh, bachelor party and there were 19 of us and of the 19 18 people either had a flight canceled delayed pushed back a flight just was completely missed we had people winding up in different cities few people had to rent cars to get to the next airport <laughs> Um, it, it's not great, but I think that's One just a reflection of a lot of industries right now. Yeah, like it's it, it was actually in Vegas too. So they, this that was my first time in Vegas. So I'll be back again this year for CNFTCon. So I guess that's just going to be a thing now. Right, I've never been outside India, so like, what's better to start off my first international trip with CNFTCon? <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Yeah, to end end this particular discussion, this particular recording, what's your personal thoughts on this? My which I feel is like the golden period for Cardano's growth. So I would say my personal thoughts in general. So one, I, I'm incredibly thankful to be a part of Pneumonium and to be a part of a community that is so driven and personal and connected and thoughtful and innovative. Um, that's the first thing. And I, I was thrilled to talk about them on here and every day I'm excited to be a part of it. My thoughts in general, when it comes to Cardano, crypto in general, world events, etc. I think that right now we're in an interim period that a lot of people are unaware of. And I don't mean like, uh, oh, the next bull run's coming and everyone makes infinite amounts of money. I think that we're in this stage that the way that things currently work in traditional economy and traditional finance and traditional supply chain, how we live our lives, how we do our work, all of that is not going to continue to be sustainable. And I think that we're starting to see the flickers of that, the employment issues, the wage gaps, the increasing prices, 
the solutions to those items are inexcusable at this point. You print more money, you debase everyone. Inflation's already too high. There's going to be a transitional period where money's going to flow into places that it's actually being used and growing and appreciating, or like Bitcoin, expansatory and deflationary to hedge against all of these other items. But externally, it's going to be catastrophic for the majority of people. Um, and it's going to be this reckoning almost of for years, everyone was told the same things we were told. Crypto is just a giant Ponzi scheme. It's not going to lead to anything. Don't do it. Like just put your money in the S&P or put it in a high yield savings account. Some of those savings accounts over in Europe are now at negative interest. Like, you're not even making anything. Inflation is outrunning every single currency. The regulators and the banks that told you not to get into this market all have their crypto desks set up for their wealth-based clients and their wealth asset management clients. Fidelity and BlackRock and Bridgewater and every major hedge fund, pension firm, retirement plan operator is on hands and knees begging the SEC to file a spot ETF where Fidelity that manages trillions of dollars worth of assets went to Canada to do it. Those individuals all at once are going to realize I am screwed because I'm not in this market. I have no savings. I'm one of the statistics that credit consumer debt is the highest it's ever been. And I can't pay my way out because my money isn't getting me to where I need to be to even afford the food that is now three times more expensive. In those moments of JPEGs and gains and we're going to make it, there's a very real problem with the entirety of our, our global economy and, and infrastructure. Whether people understand it or not, they are part of an active financial and social revolution. Now, that will become apparent over the, the coming months and years to those individuals. But right now, people aren't viewing it that way. So my closing thoughts are if I could take everything that I've done or that I've learned and even like the things that really worked out, people looked at years ago and they were like, that is insane. You are an insane person for, for doing these things. And I'm like, I get it. I get how it looks, but it has to be done. And right now, those same exact people are like, that's insane. Like, that's incredible. Pull everything out. You know, just get get rid of all of it. Like, you're good. I'm like, no. Because it's, it's, A, it's not about the money. And B, you telling me to pull it out now after you were wrong to tell me not to put it in the first place. You're going to be wrong again this time. I can't tell you what day. It's going to be wrong. But when you come to that realization, it's going to be too late for you to be able to pivot and enter. It, it, at that point, even if you do, with everything you have, you'll be okay. But it's, it's not going to change your life, and it's not going to open up new doors of opportunity. It's going to be able to keep your head above water in an economy that will seriously uh, struggle in more ways than I think people recognize.
anyone that watches this video or anyone that you talk to, I want them to recognize the opportunity that they have right now is something that is not only finite in the amount of time that you have it, but it's not like, yes, of course, you could buy a lottery ticket or buy some random meme coin and, you know, make it on, on an instant. But this opportunity is not going to come again because we're changing how human beings operate to attempt to make it to the next generations without completely debasing and destroying everything around us. With that being said, when it comes time to take care of yourself or to pull money or to move it around, make sure that you understand where you're putting it. Make sure that you understand not just dollar amounts and prices, but the value of what you have while you have it and how to use it to further insulate yourself and the people in your life so that everything else that is coming down the road does not land directly on top of you. At that point, that would be my closing thought, is educate as much as you can yourself or anyone else in your life that you're investing or your strategies or the things that you're doing. Um, make sure you know what you're doing and don't solely rely on the people that are supposed to have your back that are supposed to be using, you know, wh wh whether it's taxes or regulations or consumer protection, it isn't there to protect you. It's not, it's not there to make sure that the door will be held wide open for what, 7 billion people to walk in and be okay. It's, it's not gonna go that way. So take as much of this opportunity as you can to make the most of it and to help other people as you understand it. That's, that's really awesome, man. And with that, guys, this is the end of the episode and the recording. Thank you for watching. Stay tuned for the next interview, which is with Muru Brigada and Call Me Night Talk coming on the April 16th. Thank you, Viv. Thank you for being here. And I'm looking forward to getting on call with you again soon, probably with some more insights, some more knowledge points, some more love. <laughs> love for the community i love it i love it i appreciate you thanks for having me on and uh, i'm looking forward to talking to you again this was an awesome time